0: Hi, and welcome to Fan Slash Fiction with Andrew Slash Zach. I'm Andrew Gum.
1: And I'm Zach Dunsing.
0: And today I put Zach in the hot seat about something he loves.
1: Unfortunately, it's Avatar.
0: man well how are you i mean we haven't spoken in a long time and i'm losing my mind so it's been a while
1: why are you i'm okay i was out uh i smoked i don't smoke that many cigarettes anymore but i smoked too many last night so this might be the first uh the first podcast where i have to like uh counterbalance the sound to to cut out all my wheezing (laughs) <laughs> well, you
0: do definitely have the the smoker's rasp. You're down like a whole octave. It's very exciting. Oh,
1: interesting. Sexy. Yeah. Um it's very sexy. Well, we usually don't record in the morning either.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm caffeinated and and ready myself, but what I've been doing is I'm doing this two-person show called Dancing Lessons and so for the last 2 months Uh, especially during rehearsal. I was out, I was working full-time teaching and then doing rehearsal till 11 and then working all day teaching and then doing rehearsal till 11 and then performances have been every weekday, weeknight, weekend night. Oh boy. Uh So yeah. Get it together, Andrew. Yeah. It's been, it's been intense and is making me reevaluate all my choices. So
1: Well, thanks for making time to talk to me today. Um, Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I I worked with 120 students on Tuesday, not all at once, but it was like 30 students back to back to back. There was this event at Lipscomb University where they had the author of um, Hidden Figures came and spoke.
0: Oh, cool. Yeah,
1: so we did a little like a little stop rocket project because, you know, it's all about math and and trajectory in NASA. So we uh That's awesome. Yeah, it was cool. It's like we just like sh- like uh you know, they trucked a bunch of kids in and we made a bunch of paper rockets really quickly and launched all of them and then they trucked them out and they brought more kids in and there was a ton of uh Krispy Kreme donuts.
0: Well that I mean that sounds like everything I like. <laughs> yeah. Like Space and science and donuts and large groups of students uh, trying to act like they're interested. That's uh, yeah, I like
1: that. Well, also, I had yeah. on Friday, I had to teach a podcasting workshop to my peers, like to other people who work at the library, and I look at
0: you, uh, well, <laughs> local local expert in a field. Well,
1: what's funny about that is that I quickly realized that the way we record is like no way like nowhere near how you would actually go about doing it because you're remote and the way we mix all of it is just like totally doesn't make any sense um really well i'm we doing wrong <laughs> well i mean we're I not, leave all that to you
0: so yeah, i never thought about
1: it we're not doing anything wrong for us but like you know most people's setup wouldn't be like this so like when i got into trying to explain like how i do it i was like well this is how i do it but you won't there's no reason why you would do it that way um <laughs> and it also like you know i could only there's only so much i could say about my own podcast cuz it's like i don't i don't want to drive traffic from my coworkers to our podcast right. because yeah. somewhere in there for somebody said yeah. lasagna tits or calzone tits yeah.
0: <laughs> calzone tits <laughs> That's what but it yeah, yeah. Oh, so man yeah that is a that is a funny one cuz like the students i'll just mention just some of the stuff that i'm working on and the podcast is one of those things and They'll be like, oh, what is it? I'm like, I am not telling you. <laughs>
1: it's about the gardening.
0: <laughs> yeah. Look it up. It's Andrew slash Zach
1: slash gardens. Slash uh, posies? That's a plant. Yeah. Sure. Yeah.
0: All right, Zach. So uh, what are we here to do today?
1: Well, um, as the audience may or may not know, or may or may not have noticed i tend to bring up the film james cameron's avatar fairly frequently on the show um i've as a as a fan of that film um and we've gotten uh quite a bit of feedback from listeners who hate the film avatar
0: yeah it's uh it's not popular with everybody, it turns out.
1: Yeah, um, despite being at a time, uh, well, still the highest-grossing film of all time, and Is there it was still a, oh, still not like unadjusted. Wow. So that's something that I want to talk about. But before, I mean, there was a, there was a point in time when this movie was everywhere.
0: Yeah, oh, I remember. I went and saw it twice in theaters with yeah. my dad.
1: Yeah, me too. Um I saw it I saw it multiple times. Um the f- I saw it opening night in 3D IMAX, which is a genuine spectacle that we'll talk about in a little bit. Yeah, and it was
0: it was very cool to watch in 3D IMAX. I did the same.
1: Yeah, and I saw it uh you know like uh, probably over the holidays with my family because I distinctly remember seeing it with my grandmother who loved it like yeah <laughs> who that's great loved it so yeah <laughs> let me talk about James Cameron for a second
0: great you um, are a huge fan of James Cameron I'm a huge uh,
1: fan and I feel like I, I need to explain that a little bit because he's uh I he's gotten flack lately I think he's I mean I think he's notoriously difficult to work with and that's that's fine I mean I think if you're if you're, you know, I don't think you have to be a dick to work with people. I really don't. But I think that some people – like, I don't think you have to be a dick to get what you want from a project. I mean, unless it's me to you. And I uh, – <laughs> That is
0: sort of the, the basis of our relationship. Uh, yeah.
1: But I uh, – if people, if people are, it's like uh, – I'm not asking James Cameron to be my friend. I'm asking James Cameron right. to make epic science fiction movies. And that is all. So, yeah. I, part of my love, have I ever told you this story about when I was 10?
0: I think so, but okay. tell the people.
1: Yeah, so when I was uh, 10 years old, I basically was home from school and had an ear infection. So, like, I couldn't do anything. I'd watched all the daytime TV already, which I think at the time was, like, The Price is Right and Rescue 911. Right. Rescue 911, <laughs> great show, by the way. Do you remember that show?
0: I mean, a great show. I don't, I mean, I <laughs> well, would Well, they just I did, they, did re-
1: they made reenact- reenactments of real 911 phone calls. Like, that's Yeah, bonkers. I sort of
0: hold it in the same place as my mind as America's Most Wanted. Like, those reenactment sequences. But, like, way more tragic. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Maybe well. America's Most Wanted are pretty messed up people. They're wanted yeah, for a reason.
1: That's true. Uh, so I watched all the daytime TV. I'd ran out of things to do. We internet had not been invented yet, believe it or not. <laughs> well, they'd been invented, but we didn't have it. Um, right. So I uh, I looked at the VCR, look it up, and there's there was uh, tape in it. So I pressed play on the tape, and it was Aliens but it wasn't mm. just aliens whoever had watched it previously i'm assuming my dad hadn't rewound it so like as a as a 10 year old i had a i had was still had been avoiding like horror films and science fiction and all this stuff because i was petrified of the idea of it but like i didn't sure. know what this movie was i popped it in i watched it and it's at the end of the movie where they've made it back to the Sulaco to the, the their spaceship, and they're all mm. standing there and they're congratulating each other because they made it out alive. And I'm like, oh, like this is pretty chill. Like <laughs> this is this looks fun. They're on a spaceship and they're all nice. <laughs> Little did I know, or did Bishop the android know that the queen alien was hiding on their dropship and immediately like spears him through the chest with her tail and then nice. rips him in half and tosses his body parts aside. And it was like, I mean, it's he's an android, so it's a bloodless scene, but like,
0: well, it, it's like the white blood, yeah, it's, it's like, like the, the milk, the
1: goopy milk, yeah. yeah. And it, like, I had up until that point, like, never seen anything like that in my life before. Yeah, like, it so was so it te- really seared
0: itself into your consciousness. Yeah,
1: it was like terrifying and fascinating and just badass looking. And yeah, I like immediately stopped the tape. And just like rewound, rewound it, and had to like watch the whole thing. And yeah. I would say because of that and like other reasons, like that's that's the movie that not only got me into movies, but like got me got me into mm-hmm. science fiction and movies. So I would say that it still ranks amongst. Um,
0: yeah, it's my still, favorite. It's also awesome.
1: It's yeah. awesome. It's also a great Make movie. F- and I would yeah. say that I I, wa- I revisit it like probably once a year.
0: Yeah. Well I, I think about that. Terminator 2 was a mm-hmm. big one for me. Yeah, I was probably like 12 or 13 and watched Terminator 2 and the visual effects in it were so incredible. I couldn't believe that you could do that stuff. And there's st-
1: movies. still basically seamless.
0: Yeah. Like when he yeah. gets his head like blown apart and then like it fuses back together out of the liquid metal, mm-hmm. I still think that's cool. And so scary when he comes up out of the floor and he's like the tile pattern and he mm-hmm. was just spread out on the floor. There's something so horrifying about that.
1: Or just like that cool. security guard who gets spiked to the face by himself. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So. Like just like the finger, like right through the eye. It was really intense.
1: Those films are masterpieces. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Uh, so I understand your love of James Cameron. Well, I share. Yeah. Like some of those early, especially when I was a kid, those were the things that got me into science fiction as well. And just this kind of like that there are possibilities within fictional worlds that are like really, really cool and I'm into it. Yeah. You know?
1: So also, uh, I think now we need to talk about Titanic, which weirdly enough, hmm. I didn't see Titanic until about three years ago. What? Um, Yeah, it's really good. Yeah,
0: it is really good. (laughs) I also watched that when I was 13 with my friend Brenna Becker and felt very shy because Brenna was a girl. And when I saw Kate Winslet mostly nude, that was one of the first times I'd ever seen a woman mostly
1: nude. And I was sitting next
0: to my friend, Brenna, feeling... Uh, both excited and uncomfortable.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I heard a lot of stories like that when I was young, and I think maybe that's why I never saw Titanic. Uh, So anyways, I I think it's important to, like, before Avatar, the highest grossing film of all time, was Titanic, the highest grossing film of of all time. (laughs) (laughs) So, and I, I think it's like, what we forget about Titanic is that when it came out, it was, everybody projected it to be a disaster, both literally and figuratively.
0: Uh, let's see what and, you did.
1: And it, it, so much so that James Cameron actually forfeit his like 7 or $8 million directing fee for the film because he didn't think it was going to, uh, he, d- he didn't think it was going to be successful. He made the movie the way he wanted to make it. The shoot was a notoriously like, Difficult, strenuous shoot, um, and uh, it, it you know it ended up being that that movie was everywhere, and it it mm. it ended up being like everybody's favorite movie for like two straight years, and it just kept yeah. running in theaters forever. Um, yeah. So, what do you do when you make the like highest grossing film of all time? If you are James yeah. Cameron you spend the next, like, 15 years developing the technology to make the movie you want to make, right? Right. So how much do you know about, like, the technology that that was developed for the film Avatar?
0: Well, what I know is that the motion capture technology that we have now is largely because of Avatar. Like,
1: Yes, well, yeah, a lot of what so the big thing so the two big things that they did for that film that took so long um to develop is that they one they didn't they didn't he wanted to make a movie that had fully realized like cgi motion capture characters in it and he didn't nobody thought that it was that their computing power could sustain that nobody thought that there was that uh, computers were powerful enough to make that happen so part mm-hmm. of it was like waiting and developing until the technology was strong enough to do that. Um, but the other thing that he wanted to do was to to film it in 3D. So he sort of – he and his um, director of photography, they basically like worked with Sony to rebuild these digital HD stereoscopic cameras from the ground up. So like, hmm. you know, two cameras side by side that were – Uh, Part of what they did was like separate the lenses and the camera housing from the CPU for the um, cameras so that like instead of the camera being 80 pounds, it was like 10 pounds. So like they would just connect it Hmm. with a wire and that way they could get sort of these different camera movements and things that were more natural. Basically, after they developed those cameras for like five or six years, James Cameron and his director of photography just went on like underwater adventures or like, yeah. <laughs> just just to they test the cameras. It was like the, the Marianas Trench, right? Well, that was that was a, f- a couple years ago, actually. Okay. Um, but no, but they what they did do is they like so they went to the wreck of the Titanic to test these cameras out. Um, they made a documentary, like in the process, uh, like I think it's called Titanic 3D or something. Um, and they like the first scre- the first camera test that they did for these cameras. Instead of like just shooting like an actor on a stage or whatever, they like James Cameron rented uh, a, I think it's what, a, a B 51 or whatever, like a, a World War II bomber, and basically went up and like fired 50 caliber blanks and just filmed it just to like, you know, test to see if he, it was a realistic 3D. Of course. <laughs> of course he did. The P 51. Yeah. It, so it's like, I just, and this is, this is part of some – like, one of the things that I love about Alien so much is that you can watch it and you can see – you can see all of these really clever and, like, groundbreaking special effects that are a part of the story. And, like, when you watch all of his movies, like, from Alien to The Abyss to Titanic to – or Terminator 2 to Titanic, like, you can see how creating technology – and a way of filming drives him in the movies that he makes. So then that, yeah. that all culminated with Avatar. And the thing with the motion capture that they developed was basically like the idea that you would, instead of um, putting all these dots on a person's face and then filming it from afar, you actually like mount a camera like right in front of their face. And the, the big difference between like that stuff, like what happens in Avatar and what's going on um, with Gollum in the Lord of the Rings is that the, all the like micro movements and like uh, facial ticks, like all of that is picked up.
0: Yeah. And, and has become standard now. Now you see when they're doing motion capture, they all have that little head rig with the camera Mm -hmm. pointed right at their face.
1: Well, yeah. And all of that went into the, um, like the, the, the rebooted Planet of the Apes trilogy, which I think is a Mm -hmm. really underrated trilogy, by the way. I
0: know it always gets really high critical acclaim and makes a lot of money, and no one ever talks about Every, it like they like it. Everybody likes
1: everybody likes them, but nobody talks about them. It's really weird. But yeah, those because are because it feels like films.
0: dumb to be a fan of the Planet of the Apes, but well,
1: they're, does they're it feel <laughs> does it feel as dumb as it does to be a fan of Avatar after doing the research <laughs> that, that we've done?
0: Well, time will tell. Time will tell. Um, well,
1: so so here's the deal. Um, I'm gonna do my best to, you okay? So you know like what my investment in the film is now. So like I I follow, I literally followed like the development. Well, and I followed the development of this film for like 15 years, like from yeah. Which uh, Alita too, Battle Angel Alita was actually developed by James Cameron alongside it. I saw that earlier this week. Um, It's weird as fuck, but Mm -hmm. so like pretty entertaining. It's the only movie, maybe besides the Wachowskis' Speed Racer movie, that is actually like. Oh, this is what a live action anime should look like,
0: right? That's what I've heard. That's the that's the good reviews that I've seen about it. I would like to see it. I just it's definitely got some. Earlier, I've done nothing for
1: months, but it's got some problems. But I was pretty entertained by it. Um, So
0: I'll definitely check it out. So. The difference between, from an outside perspective, someone who's not been following Avatar for the 15 years of its development yeah. and has, like, a deep-seated uh, respect and love for the work that James Cameron does, uh, is that Avatar got a very specific amount of hate from the outside uh, that his other films largely dodged. Yeah. Um, so let's, let's talk about some of those things. I just want to hear what your feelings are about them.
1: Yeah, let's maybe Um, start with the smaller things and work our way up to the bigger things.
0: So let's let's talk about one thing that I think was like an unfair thing that a lot of people were hating on, just Uh like the fact that they're really tall, blue cat people. Like, everybody thought that that was like a dumb idea. I actually disagree. I I think think that that's no weirder than any other alien
1: thing. No, I don't think it's any weirder. I think it's a dumb idea if you... If you can't make it work. but the thing is is that like the thing about making like a a nine foot tall blue cat person as a character is that like that is an ambitious challenge to make work in a photorealistic way. Yeah, so, totally. Yeah, so like the the choice to want to do that, and we'll also kind of talk about some of the influences of that later. Um, like some of the things that like James Cameron pulls from as influences, and uh, that idea, it seemed like a challenge. Like if you're gonna make, if you're, go- you're gonna make, try to make the goal is to make this CGI living, breathing alien. Then you, at the same time, like want it to be pretty different from a human, but it also had like to distinguish it from a human. But you also don't want to go the, like, I don't know, like, Wookiee or... or
0: Right. You need them to have expressions so that you can yeah. follow them as characters. You need you, to be able to connect you to them. You still
1: need to be able you know? to... Like, they need to be human enough to still capture the nuance of the performance.
0: Right. Totally. Yeah. Um, and one of the things I was actually really impressed with with the movie was, like, the evolutionary consistency that, like, all the animals seem, like, just like on Earth, there's a lot of consistency in how creatures develop. Uh, that that looked like you could see a lot of commonalities between the the animal design, like the creature design in that movie that I thought was pretty fun.
1: Yeah, I think that's one of the movie's strengths, which is that and, – and, and this is part of what went into um, – all that development in the film in those 10 years is like James Cameron was, he was influenced by what George Lucas had done in creating that universe. And he wanted to create a, a living breathing universe. So like, uh, he brought, you know, he hired biologists and linguists and all these, these, um, professors to come in and help like sort of develop this realistic, uh, breathing planet. And I think that's the other thing that I really like about all the science fiction movies is that they're all practical, like the, um, not the effects, but the, (laughs) um, all the technology is like useful and grounded. It's not, it's uh, for lack of a better term, like realistic.
0: Yes. Uh, The mech warrior things that seem like pretty lifted straight out of alien I mean, I understand you need, like, contained things because of the the oxygen, but it did feel like he's kind of borrowing from his own oeuvre there. But maybe that doesn't bother you.
1: Why would that? I mean, yeah, they, why? for all intents and purposes, they exist in the same universe.
0: Oh, that's interesting. That'd I mean, why, fun... why could
1: they not, you know? It doesn't... Sure. Yeah. Stephen King does it. Sure. Yeah. So, um, no, that doesn't bother me.
0: Okay. Let me throw you another softball. Great. Um, so... Uh, Avatar is in the papyrus font. How do you Um, feel about that?
1: So here's the thing, actually, about the papyrus font in that movie that nobody ever thinks about. Uh, I'm kidding. That's completely unacceptable. (laughs) (laughs) Like, that's completely unacceptable. But but uh, since, you know, um, I don't know if you ever saw that Saturday Night Live bit about yeah, uh, Papyrus is Grand Gosling. So basically, like two weeks after that that hit the internet, um they announced that like they had created a whole new font to use for all the Avatar sequels. <laughs> and that they oh, were that's no longer funny. using Papyrus. Yeah. So yeah. thank thank you, well, Mr. Gosling.
0: You, you can't really recover from that. Because that's all people are going to see when it, they see the that, font, which is not the point of a font.
1: <laughs> there are certain things like there are certain choices like that, like the papyrus, and I would say the like closing credit song in the film that are like I have the 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 decision to do that is baffling. Um, yeah,
0: it's weird. So yeah, that's a weird one. Yeah, I mean, it's like I would, you're just yeah. leaving yourself available to be made fun of. Like, why would you do that?
1: If it, it's, I mean, it's almost like a fuck you. You know, it's like yeah. we made so this. <laughs> a misconception about this movie is that it is the most expensive movie or at like at the time it was the most expensive movie made, but it actually wasn't um, just as far as budget for the film goes. I mean, all the development obviously costs a ton of money, but uh, it actually costs less money than the Pirates of the Caribbean movie that came out like two years mm. previous to it. Um, That's
0: interesting. I'd heard very expensive. That's, that was the thing I'd heard.
1: It, it's a lot of people estimated that it was going to be very expensive. And I guess, it, I mean, if you factor in everything that went into developing it, sure. But the actual like, you know, pre-production and post-production budget is like, uh, I, and um, advertising budget is like $250 million, which like is, I think, about $50 million, or like uh, $40 million less than, say, Infinity War.
0: Mm. yeah. Times have changed. Budgets are going up. Yeah, they definitely.
1: Um, okay, so let's, yeah, Papyrus, unacceptable. All right.
0: I think I have only one more softball for you, <laughs> and then it then it gets harder. Yeah. Uh, unobtainium is a stupid
1: name. Well, okay, so here's the thing about that. Unobtainium, the uh, mineral that they are harvesting in that movie that is like uh, – like a super how you fly super rocket ships. Like, well, it's like a, no, it's like a, like a hyperconductor. So presumably it's what they would use in some sort of um, uh, reusable like fusion. Hmm. It's, okay. probably, it's probably what powers their planet. Like, not gotcha. their planet, Earth. Um, right. <laughs> so, Unoptanium is a stupid name, but it's also the exact type of stupid name that scientists come up with. Like, hmm. let me give you some lists. Like, let me give you some names of like, other real elements germanium prometheum americium einsteinium nobelium was one i was thinking of seaborgium yeah. rutherfordium neon
0: <laughs> um, Wait, was one of them rutherfordium like r- rutherford b hayes
1: uh p- perhaps but like yeah it, yeah Rutherfordium. Well, not only that, but unobtainium is actually kind of an in joke with engineers. Do you know this? No. It's unobtainium is like a uh, hypothetical, like perfect material. So, like when engineers and scientists are trying to figure out a problem and they like can't figure it out, they're like, "Oh, well, like we'll just use unobtainium for it." Like it's a joke. Like it's a, it's a known oh, sort of so gag. it's a
0: nerdy joke. It, yeah. Got so it's it. it's
1: not only like I think a f- Funny, I, I think it's like a dumb name that is exactly what the type of thing a scientist would come up with. But it's also an end joke with engineers.
0: Okay, that makes sense. My dad had a really dumb joke uh, that was sort of like that. <laughs> Whoa. He, it went, um, it went. So scientists came up with an element that only exists for a fraction of a second. It's uh-huh. called who caresium.
1: That's pretty good. But also, yeah, it's most a dad joke most of those elements that i just named like einsteinium californium they were developed in labs that like only exist for a fraction of a second
0: <laughs> right i think that yeah it was probably i mean i get that that's that same, the joke but same school of thinking yeah, yeah. so okay so
1: okay um, let's
0: get into it i'm going well, to try this... to do them in in increasing order of difficulty okay, okay? great all right so this movie is just a ripoff of Pocahontas, Dances with Wolves, Fern Gully, et cetera.
1: Okay. So yeah, a lot of people jump to that immediately and they're like, yeah, but this is just, the, it's just Dances with Wolves in Space or whatever. Um, that's true, but that's that's not a real criticism because like the idea of a going native story is not a new thing. You know, mm-hmm. that's like, that's like taking a movie that's about – that has star-crossed lovers in it and being like, eh, that movie sucks. It's just Romeo and Juliet, you know? Right. Like, I think that the – there are things that are inherently problematic about a going native story. hmm But the fact that it is a going native story is not like – like, yeah, it is Ferngully. It is Pocahontas. It is Dances with Wolves. But those – you know, it is Lawrence of Arabia. It's Dune. Like, there is a tradition of – that as a story as, as a type of story
0: yeah yeah which and I, I mean since again you're, since you're diving into that let's dive into the problematic thing about those kind of stories right. which is the white savior problem
1: yeah so this is this is the this is the biggest problem with this movie in general which is not only that it's like yeah a white dude comes in and works with uh natives and then becomes their leader and their savior like that's f***ed <laughs> up but also <laughs> also the white dude who they picked to do that is totally uninteresting like yeah an, another so another problem with this film that a lot of people complain about is like how cookie cutter the characters are and how bad the dialogue is and yeah. i would say that yes they are mostly one dimensional and they are um, and the dialogue is a lot of it is pretty dumb but it's not worse or stupider than any other movie that came out, like, at that scale in 2009. Like, it's still a consistently, like, believable universe, I guess.
0: So Yeah. It feels like it. it's in the adventure movie theme of the kinds of things adventure movie characters say.
1: Yeah. Let me just tell you some of the other movies that came out that year, and then we'll circle back to the white savior thing. Um, okay. Cause I want to talk about that for a bit, but, uh, so compared to these are in descending order of success, but compared to other movies that came out that year, like you be the judge of whether or not the dialogue and characters in Avatar are bad.
0: Cool. Uh, I like this. Let's do it.
1: Uh, Transformers Revenge of the Fallen. Oof, I'm pretty sure rough. a robot urinates on, <laughs> on somebody yeah, like in P's that film. motor oil. And yeah. then there's like
0: balls. He's got like wrecking Oh, no, wait. Ball that, balls. Yeah, that one
1: has the wrecking ball balls. It's the first yeah, movie where he – where not great. Yeah. Um, Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. Great. So- loved it. Solid, no problems there. Solid film. Solid. Yeah. Tw- Twilight New Moon. Oh, yeah. Problems there. Up, saddest movie of all time. Oh, saddest
0: fifteen minutes of my life.
1: Yeah, um, Star Trek. The which one? The, the first re- one? Yeah, the reboot. Oh, that's a fun one. That's a pretty decent movie. Yeah. So I mean, that's the same. I hear what like, you're saying.
0: There's, there's all the other, other... problematic kind of dumb dialogue things that are going on at the same time, other than Harry Potter, which is a perfect film and everybody loved it because yeah, it it's great.
1: Because it's great. So to go back, like, so yeah, the biggest problem with the movie is that we're filtered through. Um, we're we're experiencing this alien culture and we're filtering all of it through Sam Worthington's character. And like mm-hmm. Sam Worthington's character is not that interesting, and mm-hmm. they don't need him to save them. And arguably, I mean, they do they do save themselves ultimately in the end, but like he is a catalyst for that, and that's that's a that's just a problem. Like he's not necessary.
0: Right he's just kind of our eyes and i think mm-hmm. it's what everybody loves about that movie i mean that i mean guiltily mm-hmm. that was something that i really liked is just here's this dude who shows up and just kind of a dumb dude and yeah. he gets to like basically play the video game of being a na'vi and like everybody likes him and it's really badass and he's like yeah. a good fighter and like well
1: somebody sorry somebody else pointed out to me that like the thing one sort of trope with going native stories like Dances with Wolves or Lawrence of Arabia is that the 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 person who ends up um you know joining the the tribe or whatever they they inherently don't fit in with the with their own tribe like with the, you know their own right. people and the only thing about Sam Worthington is that he can't walk like Right. He yeah, otherwise, he's it totally seems like
0: like an Ura Marine. Other than he's in a wheelchair. Yeah. It's this he, kind of.
1: He seemed like a sudden I mean,
0: it, jarring change of personality.
1: Yeah. It seems like if he hadn't gotten injured, like he'd still totally just be a Marine. <laughs> right. Right. Or sorry. Oh, the last RDA samurai. Contractor. That's another
0: one. That's another. Yeah. White savior. You know. Going native story. Yeah. Um. Yeah. That's a. Uh, I mean, if, do you have any other things? Because, yeah, I well, think, that so we I can think the only, that's a problem.
1: It, it's a definite problem. I think the only counter to that, and this, like, not only to how basically vanilla and bland Sam Worthington is that, but the, the counter to the Savior thing is, like, how great of an actress uh, Zoe Saldana is and, like, how mm-hmm. bad, badass her character, Nateri, is in that. Mm-hmm film so oh, i think like, like
0: totally was the one that is like now she's gamora because everyone's like yeah she can oh my, do the, the oh, costume and she's, alien thing really
1: well well and she's in 2009's star trek like how much f- money yeah. does zoe soldana have at this point
0: yeah a lot she's in like and three well of the deserved, biggest she, franchises
1: like, of the past 15 years
0: yeah but and, she's also and she fantastic it. yeah yeah she she's does great, great. Um, And I think that what she does is she sells – like, she invents the chemistry. So, like, she really – I think she's the star of the show for that whole
1: movie. Well, 100%. Um, That's, like, why – okay, so if that's the case, like, you – yeah, you don't need – it's, like, an older white male director – so I know I love you, James Cameron, but like you are that, and it is a problem. <laughs> Which is that like they see do that lens. Well, you know? they, not only that, but the, they would think that the only way to have a relatable character is to have you know a white dude connect to this connect to this culture, and it's like you right. you just don't need that. Like you could see yeah. the Navi as the Navi, and just let Nateria be the main character. Like there's no reason not to. She's the most interesting, anyways.
0: Yeah, I mean the yeah. The narrative of, like, stepping into their literal skin and, like, feeling what it's like to be. I mean, there are cool things to be said about that. Like, there are cool things about you feel more at home in a different body than your own body. There are all kinds of good conversations that don't really seem like they happen (laughs) in that movie.
1: Yeah. And there's, I mean, there's, there's, like... So, going back to that world building that I think is really impressive with that movie, there's also a weird element to it that is kind of, uh, that is just problematic where, like, the Navi and their whole culture is seemingly just this, like, kind of hodgepodge of a bunch of different cultures. Right. And it's I weird. I mean, they get
0: compared to Native American culture a lot.
1: Yeah, and, but there's a lot of, like, uh, I think there's a lot of, like, like, uh, Asian influences in there as well. Um, but it's all over. It's like he just sort of like cherry picked like all these interest, interesting elements of different cultures and and amalgama, uh, amalgamized them into his quote unquote alien race. And that's like also a really weird and kind of thing to do.
0: Yeah, because it's like instead of culturally appropriating like a real group, a Like just grabbing a bunch of stuff from other groups and kind of creating this hodgepodge of cultural appropriation. Well, it's
1: like it—it makes it vaguer because it's not one specific group, and therefore, like maybe harder to pin down. But it's like Mm -hmm. it's—it is—it's still—it's just as—it's just as much of a problem as any sort of like as just you know appropriating something from any any group. And it's like, and I mean, I think that would be. I mean, I think that. In a superficial way, there's like a pretty diverse cast there, but f- for the most part, like all of the all of the lead humans are white, and all of the lead Navi are people of color, and it's like right. It just it just further like brings that whole problem into relief, I think.
0: Yeah, and I think that there's potential there for that to be interesting. It's like literally, you got these white cast of colonizers coming in and understanding that the people that they're colonizing are people and that maybe we shouldn't be colonized. So it's like a lot of that white guilt thing. Yeah, And it's like, it's really close. And I feel like when I watch it, it's really close to saying a lot of really good things. It's just... It's
1: still the the highest grossing film of all time. So it's like, you can only... It's still vanilla. Like, you know, it's still so... Like it does... OK, so let's talk about at least some positive things about this um, movie, which is that like, OK, so everybody in the world saw it. And even if it's in a superficial way, it does have like a positive environmentalist, uh, anti-colonialist. And depending on which like symbols you can find in the film, like anti-American message, at least yeah, a- anti- I mean, anti-military industrial complex. Yeah. Um, totally. Totally. And that, you know, it. I would not say that the film grapples with anything complex about those ideas, but it at least – it's at least very clear about where it stands on that. And for a movie that basically everybody saw, I think that's like – I think that's important.
0: Yeah. And thinking back 10 years ago, like that's not negative to be talking about anti-colonialist, anti-military industrial complex notions. I mean, we're – like, we are even now running into all the ways that we are backwards in our thinking. Taking a step, I think, is better than no step, you know? Yeah, but Starting I think... Starting a conversation.
1: Yeah, but then you're you're also right, which is that, like, there are a lot of elements there that I think there is... There's, there's a lot of potential there to have a, like, more serious or at least, like, more complicated conversation about... um culture and maybe race that probably somebody other than James Cameron should be the person trying to grapple with. Yeah, or, you know, I mean, he's got to a do. great
0: technical mind. And it, that's a hard one because it's like, yeah. even if you are trying so hard to step out and recognize the problems with the culture, we are products of it. You know, everybody is carrying their own... Mm-hmm. their own experience and so you can try your hardest not to carry that experience into the things that you make but it's almost impossible not to because you all your thoughts are coming through the filter of your life and your experience and if you're a wealthy white rich man director even if you're trying to tell a really like important story in your own mind that is critical of like the power structures that you benefit from, you're still doing it from that position, you know?
1: It's- yeah. And I think, well, the problem is is also not necessarily that rich white men are telling stories. It's that only rich white men are telling stories. Right. Like for a very long time, they're the only, they've been the only sort of gatekeepers to it. Uh, and just across the board, like we need to hear and see more of, Everybody's, you know, version of their experience because, also, ulti- you know, yeah.
0: Which is why fan fiction so yeah, is why fan welcome, so important. You're welcome, listeners. Fan fiction.
1: Um. So let's. I want to. I want to talk briefly about the Avatar sequels, and then, Okay. Um, Before you do that, there's yeah. one
0: more thing. There's one more thing that I just need to talk about with this movie okay. that nobody ever talks about that I can't believe nobody ever talks about. And it's the fact that they all have those little in the in their braids they have the little tentacles that uh-huh. interface with the little tentacles on every other thing on the planet, uh-huh. and that's how they communicate, like uh-huh. soul to soul, right? Uh huh. Okay. So then there's the sex scene right. between Jake and uh, Zoe Saldana's the character. Theory. Yeah, and they just have sex, and they don't put their braids together. Why not? That's so, stupid,
1: Andrew. I, I kind of knew you were going to bring this up, so I I watched that scene before we um started recording. Yeah, they one hundred percent put their braids together. They and don't. They, no, they one hundred percent put their braids together and climax. Like no, y- uh, dude, I watched it.
0: I rewatched it. No, I re-watched dude, it.
1: I watched it twenty minutes ago. <laughs>
0: Did you is it a clip online? Can you send it to me?
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's they like do? they yeah. They like, you know, get down on their knees and they get close together and then they hold their braids together, and those weird little tentacles connect, and they both like get wide-eyed and like gasp basically. Oh. Sorry, man.
0: Dang it. Well, then that's great. Good job, James Cameron. That Of course they would, because that's definitely, you're having sex with the whole world, and the sexual energy and spirit energy is the same thing. Okay, yeah. cool. Well, I'm wrong. All right. That's embarrassing. So- Okay. I we, just, I either missed that. I don't know how I would miss that, because I was bothered that it wasn't there for so long. I haven't seen it in like 10 years, so
1: that's part yeah. of it. Well. Darn um,
0: it. Okay. Um- yeah, the last thing that I had before we move on is just okay. the Deus Ex Machina of Awa coming in and turning like the tide on the whole battle. Do you have any feelings of that?
1: Right. So a lot of people think that that whole um, Yahweh or whatever uh, concept of it being like a literal entity is of in in the film is stupid. Um, I don't think it's that stupid. I mean it. If it is like the ex machina element of it coming in at that point is like okay, great, whatever. But it's Just like pretty. It's storytelling like yeah, about. it's yeah, totally. But I think the like the idea because the the whole reason like the, all the scientists are up there like the thing that they're trying to study is this like actual like cellular connection between all of um, all of the plant life and all of the animal life on the planet. Like that's the right. main thing they're studying. Um, and if you were, and not only that, but like the idea of even the earth being a Mm -hmm. super organism is a concept that's been around Um, since the 70s, probably when James Cameron really started reading science fiction. Mm. Um, And there's
0: some good, like, there's some good evidence for it. Like,
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like, it's it's connected
0: by stuff. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's a grounded theory. So I think the idea of like, um, A species growing up on a planet that is a more literal super organism and the way that that would affect them is that they would you know they would believe in it as a deity is actually kind of an interesting idea
0: yeah i actually didn't hate that one either that was just one uh (laughs) it's just a a
1: complaint that i've heard in the past yeah definitely
0: yeah so um cool talk to me about sequels
1: for those of you who don't know um There are four more sequels to Avatar coming out. (laughs) That's absurd. I think that's absurd. But it's happening. It is absurd. At least once Fox was acquisitioned by Disney, like, they started saying, well, we'll see how the next two do. And then maybe we'll make more. Maybe we won't. Gotcha. So what's interesting about that is that so it's been – so he spent 10 years in between Titanic and Avatar. It's been another 10 years. Mm-hmm. Because the, the first sequel comes out next year. So, it'll be 11 years since the first one came out, which means that, like, the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe's first three phases have existed between the first movie and the second movie. That's pretty wild. <laughs> which is when crazy think to it. think about it. And part of the why it's taking so long is that, so, they, he actually, the people who wrote the Planet of the Apes trilogy, he's been working with them to, like, write all of these sequels that i think stand Sweet. alone like they're all independent of one another um oh which is really weird it and weird. uh he's he's also been further trying to develop um the technology so he's like basically trying to use these new laser projectors so that they can film everything in 60 to 120 frames per second which is f- insane uh, they're yeah, also trying faster to...
0: Faster than your eyeballs.
1: <laughs> well, and he's also trying to get... So, I mean, another thing about this is that, like, in leading up to the first Avatar, not only did he develop all, all this technology, he got all of the theaters in the country to adapt it. Like, these giant 3D IMAX projectors to basically get outfitted yeah. specifically for this movie. And it's just an insane feat. So, now what he's trying to do is the same thing, but he's trying to get them to get outfitted with... Um, um, laser projectors and what are called audio stereoscopic screens, which are basically screens, from what I understand are like they're screens that have sort of imperceptible divisions in them, like vertical divisions in them. Uh, so that when you're looking at it, you're actually seeing two images at once and basically it's so that you can so watch 3D glasses without glasses, CD? yeah.
0: Oh, God, that's crazy. It's insane, right? <laughs> yeah. So,
1: um, so, like, obviously, I am curious about this, and I am interested, and yeah. I have been following the Avatar sequels. But, like, the craziest thing about this whole thing is, like, how much money that movie made, how it was everywhere, and how automatically it was forgotten.
0: Yeah, that's like, really it true. Ha- how it well, had. I mean, 10 years of intervention will definitely make people –
1: less yeah. keen on an idea. When was the last time you heard somebody say, I'm king of the world? Because it had to have been the last six months.
0: That's true. My kids, the... <laughs> doo, 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 yeah. doo, doo, like It's still everywhere.
1: Titanic yeah. has like persisted culturally in a way that... Avatar just hasn't like, it's just been like, just look at the front of
0: any boat and you know what people are doing on the front of any boat. Yeah. No one's,
1: no one's walking around being like, I see you. (laughs) (laughs) So, so basically like no, no one, uh, no one is excited. Like no one cares about these sequels other than me, unfortunately. (gasps) But I mean, I mean, no, no, I mean, unfortunately for me, (laughs) unfortunately for the sequel. I was just
0: thinking of other cultural things that everybody does. Like for me, anytime I merge into traffic now, I say witness me. So that's.
1: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I say that every time I ejaculate. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So the the thing about that is that the uh, so they released this the titles to all of the the sequels and there is a incredible backlash of that ever being like these are the stupidest titles i've ever heard. right yeah so have I, you, I saw
0: that too have you read yeah, any of them i i don't know i don't remember it's like the spirit of awa i think okay it's well
1: well don't say anything else <laughs> 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 because, <laughs> because
0: this is a podcast i have to
1: <laughs> shut your mouth <laughs> <laughs> well i'm i'm going to so that that's close to one of them, but that wasn't, wasn't it. But I basically – I have all the titles to the sequels, but then I also uh, went to a website that is a random – it's called obscurehub.com and then uh, slash SFTG. Um, the SFTG is for Sci-Fi Title Generator. <laughs> so that's it's just cool. randomized title. So I'm going to read you a randomized title. And you have to tell me if it's a real title to an Avatar sequel or not.
0: Oh, I actually <laughs> or, don't. This is fun. This is yeah, fun. I like right. that.
1: So it'll either be randomized or a real title, but you'd let me know. Okay. Okay. Avatar 2, reaching for Alnitak.
0: Oh, God. I False. Correct. Not real. Cool. Just because I don't know what Alnitak is, and that's a dumb name. So Well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Avatar Two, the Tolkien writer. Oh no!
0: I bet it's real, but it's correct. Yeah, that. But I see your point. That is
1: also dumb. Yeah. Avatar Two, the priests of Tenefet. Oh geez. They're not all two, by the way. That's just what I'm saying.
0: Yeah, I, I'm with you. That's smart. It's a control element in the experiment. The priest of what? Tinnatet. Tinnatet. I don't know. Y- real.
1: That one's false. Ah. Um, so I, the real ones are Avatar, the way of water. Mm. Avatar, the seed bearer. Mm. Avatar, the Sounds Tolkien. Like it's
0: a lot of jizz in that one.
1: Yeah. Tolkien writer and Avatar, the quest for Yahweh.
0: It's got to be Awa, right? Because it's
1: definitely like you Yahweh. Sure? Is yeah, just no, it is. It is. Yeah. yeah, no, I. I sorry, it, you're, it is Awa, but uh, you know.
0: But which is dumb because that is just the same sounds as Yahweh. Yeah, it, but it is you just it
1: is switched them. <laughs> it is spelled E Y W A. So yeah, it is Awa. But so my point is, is like like yeah, those are stupid titles, but they're also like those are exactly like the titles from all of the sort of. 50s science fiction pulp that like heavily influenced James Cameron, so I think yeah. they sort of and fit I mean, right in.
0: Sci-fi and fantasy has all kinds of stuff like the Dragon Riders of Pern. and stuff No, totally. Like that. So
1: it just, and that's like that's what he's always been making. So uh, I just this brings me to my final point, which is this is a this is a criticism of all well most not Titanic. But most of James Cameron's movies, um, which is that they're just ripoffs of other people's work. Hmm. So, like, I don't know if you know this, but, like, The Terminator has a special thanks to Harlan Ellison in it. Um,
0: Harlan Ellis, the writer of... Lots of sci-fi. I can't think of. Yeah,
1: Har- Harlan Ellison. He actually he passed away uh, three or four months ago. Um, he was so he was, I would say, famously litigious or like frivolously litigious. Ooh, right.
0: He would sue people like all the time.
1: Yeah, but that sounds really nice to say. You should say it.
0: Famously litigious.
1: Frivolously litigious.
0: frivolous Ooh, frivolously <laughs> litigious. That's yeah, it's vocal like vocal warm up
1: it rolls off the tongue anyways so <laughs> yeah so he, he sued um, the studio that made terminator because he said that it was based on two it was based on two um, outer limits episodes that he had written and one short story mm. called um, i have no mouth and i'm a scream which is a terrifying short story but it's Ooh. just it's about it's about a supercomputer that like basically tortures the last like five humans on earth um, but it's How? like it's it's like he's claiming that that's where the idea of Sk- skynet came from hmm. um, and then the, the like and then there's the outer limits episode is called the soldier it's about a time traveling soldier but that's about all it shares in common with terminator which is I a lot like
0: with sci-fi and, and this is i mean it brings up for fan fiction too it's like yeah there's well, lots of stories so <laughs> there's well, lots of
1: stories so then there's the, there's a movie called the atomic submarine that's just about an atomic submarine with a bomb that comes into contact with an alien race, then that's basically what the abyss is. Um, yeah. And then okay. there's, there's another story, uh, like novella by Powell um, Anderson called Call Me Joe that's about a paraplegic who psychically controls a giant blue person on, you know, on a gaseous – or a, on a moon near a gaseous, like, giant – No kidding. Yeah, it's a like –
0: That's a weirdly specific one.
1: Well, so here's my question to you. Okay. Um, It seems pretty clear that like a lot of the – a lot of James Cameron's properties are ripoffs of earlier science fiction work or homages to them – Is James Cameron the most successful fan fiction creator of all time?
0: Mm? Oh, my gosh. Look what you did. You buried the lead. Look at you. (laughs) Buried it Good job, Zach.
1: (laughs) Or is he just Uh, like another white dude who steals stuff and makes money off of it?
0: Right. Well, I mean, that would be in...
1: As a part bullets? of, like,
0: the, the common narrative is just, like, he went legit. What's it called? Like, you... Oh, filing oh, off the, the serial numbers? Filing off the serial numbers. Yeah. yeah totally. He made fan fiction and then made it just enough he filed off the that ser- he could
1: go legit. <laughs> he filed off the serial numbers, but then he still put the gun on a gaseous moon planet with blue yeah. people. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's true. Yeah. That's good. Well, yeah. I mean... Think about all of the things that he's borrowing from in the tropes. He's dealing with these big universal stories Mm -hmm. or like these these already established science fiction concepts. I mean, yeah, kind of. Kind of, right? Whoa. Yeah. Uh, That's that's interesting. That's interesting.
1: Right? So pretty interesting.
0: Yeah, totally. I yeah, that's I mean, I was kind of getting the hints of that throughout all this. But yeah, that's a pretty good tie-in to our theme. Mm -hmm. Um, I have a question for you. What's up? After all this, after this discussion, how do you feel about Avatar now, James Cameron, and have your feelings changed at all?
1: (sighs) Um, My feelings have changed. I have to admit, I still... It's still a... It's still a relatively high concept science fiction film that my grandmother loved. So <laughs> it does still have a place in my heart. I will say that it doesn't and has never had as much of a place in my heart as Aliens, and that, like, I, you know, I watch, I revisit Aliens pretty frequently. I don't revisit Avatar that often. So it's more of guilty pleasure and that guilt is white guilt
0: hey that's also in avatar <laughs> <laughs>
1: yes um uh well uh i think we did
0: it good night zach
1: i see you andrew
0: oh i see you too zach So yeah, it's been it's been a lot. Uh, speaking of space and hidden figures, um, okay. Uh, wait,
1: real real quick shout out first before we jump into that. Sure. Uh, I just, just I just reading reading on the internet here. Um, just found out that Ross Lowell died. Do you know who Ross Lowell is? No. Well, I didn't either, but he was apparently the creator of Gaffer Tape. Oh. Yeah, ninety two. Years young and dead. I put
0: so much of that stuff onto stuff, so it
1: stays in one place. Probably one of the single largest impacts on the film industry.
0: That's true. It's like just a really good tape. Uh huh. Way better than duct tape. Doesn't leave a residue. No. Can doesn't I, li- like.
1: Can I read yeah. some of the content or the comments under the post? Yes. Uh, Kinman two seventy eight said. I am currently at work, sitting in front of a bin full of gaff tape. R.I.P. Squidfucker mm-hmm. said, <laughs> 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 most valuable tool on set. Uh, Lords, of, Lords of Excellence said, gaffer tape is rad stuff. Makes duct tape look inferior on every level. Agreed. Yeah. He's right.
0: I l- and I love gaffer tape for so many reasons. It rips so nicely. Ooh, you can just make it's such satisfying, good satisfying, too. Yeah, and then you can strip, and then you can rip it both horizontally and vertically, and mm-hmm. make like exactly the size tape that you want.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, it's a very strong stick, but doesn't leave a residue. I can't, no. I can't say enough nice things about gaffer's tape. Yeah, R.I.P. Uh, Mr. Lowell. Yeah, R.I.P. Mr. Lowell.